Hi and welcome to Footlock today, coming to you from the end of a long day here at Castle Coombe and I'm joined by my Footlock friend, Mr. Henry Catchball. Hello Footlock friend, Drew Stern. Yes, we'll get better at that in future, <laughs> I do promise. We'll make it more, like, more natural and sort of like, you know, actually sort of... Yeah, less forced, is that yeah, what you're going for? Yeah, I think so, less forced, yes. Fair. Yeah, less awkward. Yeah. Right, well that's helping. Let's work on that for next time. <laughs> anyway. On, how are we going to work on it? Are we going to go for beers or something? Yes, let's do that. Okay, good. But that comes later. Uh, for starters, we've had an amazing day out here and we have another one tomorrow. We have a lot of footage to show you about what we've been shooting, but I think best to tell everyone about what we've been doing is we jump back in time and into this car and head out on track. So, we're back at Castle Coombe. We are. The unofficial, official track home of car fiction shoots since 2012. It's, uh, it's good to be back. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's not the most glamorous track in the world, but any track that you know well and you can exploit to its fullest extent always feels a welcome place to take a car out. Yeah. I wouldn't say I still... I, Castle Coombe is a tricky track because it's so fast. Um, I still don't feel like I know it that well, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I'm not sure, I'm trying to think of a glamorous track. What, what would be a glamorous track? Because when you, some of them look quite good on television, but... Well, um, um, well yes, tracks are inherently grungy. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's ever been to a track and had to use the facilities there will can attest to the fact that they aren't necessarily, while you're there, the most glamorous. But somewhere like Anglesey, I think, looks fantastic. Yeah, it's got yeah. the, the, the epicness of that view out over sea, or somewhere with heritage like Silverstone, you know, like a, 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 a track with some history, some character, some something about it. Castle Coombe, I don't, many, not many people are probably familiar with Castle Coombe. If you're a big motorsports fan, uh, you've probably swung around here to watch drifting or all manner of motorsport uh, events that they have, but more likely if you come here on a, any given day, you might see people like us driving a car like this. The Civic Type And the Rally Day, Castle Coombe oh, Rally Day as well. Castle Coombe Rally Day, yeah. It, it, well, but we're here now in uh, the Civic Type R, which is going to be the next long-termer that we have. So likely any Castle Coombe shoots that we have coming up, we're gonna have a chance to exploit this car on this track. Yeah. Um, so you've done a blast now. Quickly, what's your impression of the combination of this car and this track? <laughs> um, it's, it's very good. This is the first time I've driven this Civic Type R on track this generation. It's very good actually. It's yeah. really, really good. I had it's a, um, quite slippery out here this morning. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty easy to manage. I've got a feeling they may have resurfaced some of this. It feels a bit newer than normal, but uh, we're going to spend a lot of time with this car and you'll get a chance to give a full opinion about it. Absolutely. But the, the real reason we're here is not just to have some fun out here, but uh, yeah, we've got one of our large scale epic shoots going on. We have. We're, we're yeah. just passing them now. Yeah. In fact, as we snake past Quarry Corner, one, two, three, four, five. I need one hand. It's good. One off. <laughs> five BMWs. So, talk us through what we're filming today. We are filming what I think must be the ultimate M3 test because we have got the pinnacle of every generation of M3 out there. So, it starts with the E30 M3, of course. Um, but we've got the Sport Evo, yep. which was the, the last of the line, the one with the 2.5 litre engine and the bigger 2.5 litre engine. Uh, then the E36, um, so the ultimate generation of that. 
um, or ultimate iteration of that, sorry, was the GT, uh, of which then he produced 356. Um, again, done for homologation purposes. Next up, E46 CSL, which most people are very aware of. Wonderful sound. Mm. Um, then we've got the E92 GTS, the orange one. Um, very rare car indeed, of course, V8. And then finally, we've brought along uh, one from BMW Press Garage, because uh, all the others are actually owned by, by one very generous owner. Um, we've got the FAT M3CS, which mm. obviously now it's probably the most controversial one to have in the test because, of course, there's the M4 yeah, it's GTS, the fragmentation, which is the, yeah. but that's an M4, it's not an M3, so that's why. And we haven't done anything on the um, no. M3CS either, so I thought it would be um, nice to keep that. Keep the consistency. Absolutely. It, it, it brings up an interesting point, really, about whether um, is the new M3 uh, a true continuation of the M3s, or is should we consider the M4 to be that continuation in spirit, or is it is it just divergent? Is it just two parts of the same experience? Which is it? It's. Um, I mean, yeah. Of course, the, M, the M4 is really. It's, that, that's the one that's, um, I suppose, the... Well, that's um, the one that's got the GTS versions, that's the one that's got that Exactly, that it's, the, it's a coupe, version. it's a two-door. Yeah. Um, so, which all the others are two doors. I mean, there was the M3 CRT, which was the four-door version of the GTS, which is actually even rarer than the uh, E92 GTS. Um, but, but, yeah, it's nice to keep it all all M3, isn't it, I think? Had BMW had the M3, M4 naming convention from the very outset, those would all be M4s. They would, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, we're keeping the M3 name consistent. So, I mean, the cars speak for their speak for themselves in terms of the, the performance and, and their aptitude as cars, but what is it about the M3 in particular that you think captured people's imaginations and became such a an aspirational car with, in, for each generation that came through. What about them really hammered home for people, do you think? I think it was, well obviously the, the 3 Series was a car, it sat at that right point in, in the range uh, whereby it was accessible to, to more people. Mm. Um, you know, it's a car that people could, could dream of, of owning one day. Um, you know, it wasn't ridiculously expensive. Um, and I think it's sort of obviously it's got the most sport pedigree as well. I mean, the, you know, the wonderful images of whether you like touring cars or rallying. Um, you know, the uh, Roberta Ravaglia, uh, the World Touring Car Championships, World Touring Car Championship, European, German. Uh, yeah, just fantastic. And they looked so right as well, those mm. E30s. Um, or Patrick Schneier's on the um, on the Manx. That's an amazing video of that Bastos liveried ProDrive M3. Uh, they're just fantastic looking things. And I think it was it was the E30 generation that really set it all up. And yeah. then, in a way, everything's kind of sort of fed off it after that because E36 wasn't really that well received, um, certainly in the, the motoring press at the time. But people then wanted the 46 to recapture something of the uh, of the E30 so and the CSL sounds wonderful and it's just but it has always I think built from from that E30. Now in terms of the M cars not just seeing it as the 3 series but you can arguably trace the M cars back to the M1 
the yep. BMW supercar of the 70s. But would you think it would be fair to say that it's the M3 that really helped establish M cars for BMW? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, certainly the, the glamour of the M1 um, put people sort of in, in, in mind of this, this M brand. It's always quite nice starting with a, with a supercar, isn't it? But yeah. then to, to bring that down to a level where people can potentially afford one. I mean, it's an expensive car at the time, uh, the yeah. 30 M3, um, as an M3 is an expensive car these days. But it was, like I say, it just seems that sort of sort of within reach, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and then I suppose the the M5 being a very different sort of M car, but equally always people like the idea of these big fast saloons, don't they? So, um, although they didn't at the time, the first M5 wasn't no. well received. No, it was because it was it was really expensive. And I remember looking; I was quite shocked. I looked back at the original reports, and everyone, well, really. Is it sort of kind of you know it's very expensive and it's not really that sort of, it's a bit of a sleeper it doesn't even look as good as the um because it was the uh m35 m535 whatever one that was before yeah. that had the styling kit on it um and uh yeah that sort of you know if anyways looked better um so it was yeah the m5 wasn't that well received at the time um these days it's arguably the Arguably, the M2 is actually taken over. This, this is it. Like you the, look at the size of the M2 compared to the E30, and they seem far more comparable as a yeah. package. Um, in the same way that maybe we run things like the um, the Up GTI, maybe having more in common with the uh, uh, Golf GTI, original Golf GTI. Yes. Um, so well, I've been in a, an M2 competition for the last couple of weeks because we've been doing a film on that which will be coming to the channel at some point yeah um, and it was interesting jumping straight out of that into the F80 M3 CS and feeling just how much of a bigger car mm. that M3 really does feel um, it's um, yeah it's extraordinary and it's not you look at the dimensions and yes the M2 is probably closer to the E46 M3 I'd say in sort of yeah. footprint it doesn't they don't look like massive margins um, it's mainly sort of the wheelbase is probably the, the biggest um, thing I think in terms of just how it makes it feel that much smaller and more more wieldy um, but it is it's quite a bit shorter it's not that much narrower though mm. um, so yeah it's, it's not massive margins but it definitely feels like the more compact car the M3 yeah. does feel like a big car now well, I think, and, and, and that's what's interesting, that although the, the M3 may have evolved, the desire for that kind of package remains, and that's why the M2 is as popular as it is, perhaps. But we'll cover all of this and more in not just one video, but an entire series of videos on the M3 covering this wonderful selection of cars that we're about to drive past yet again out here on circuit. It's going to be well worth your time. Make sure that you have hit the notification icon on the, on the channel to make sure that you do not miss a single one. I guarantee it will be worth it. Hopefully, anyway, running Irish, you remember what I've got to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm immersed in M3 history. I just feel like I'm, I'm oozing M3 history from every ball. I've just got to get it out there on camera now. Is that so, what that yeah. is? Possibly. <laughs> okay. I don't think there's any sort of pill or cream that's going to help it. But what's also interesting is not just what we're doing or, or what content we're filming, it's how we do it. And 
we're privileged enough to be able to put together these collections of cars through the helpful collaboration from manufacturers and private owners alike but it's making it all work in one sweet simultaneously effortless and hard-working unit that makes the kind of videos that you like to watch um, so we have uh, to take you through what it takes to make uh, the kind of films that we do here we've come out to circuit with six cars uh, that we're shooting another two or three cars just to transport people a car transporter we've got four video producers we have a production assistant and I and Henry and I'm around as well uh, so Henry plays his part he turns up he says some words it's brilliant um, but it's it's worth noting how hard the the crew have to work um, if there's we talk about the shoots that we do on Footlock uh, all the time but it's hard to know exactly how much technical specificity you'd like us to go into so if there's anything in particular you want us to highlight let us know in the comments but for me what's most interesting about uh, uh, these shoots is how Kind of seamless we've made them all work it's um you know we're we're a small web-based video operation and we uh we we work well i think honestly we punch above our weight i think in terms of the content that we make the benefit that we have is that we're um we're fast moving uh, sometimes sometimes once we had coffee once once henry's had his coffee he moves incredibly <laughs> quick and we have dedicated people in fact back here getting increasingly carsick is Matt Murray. Hi Matt. <laughs> he's, uh, are you feeling carsick? No. No, he's no, doing nice and leisurely. Nice and leisurely. Um, I'm not entirely sure how well it's coming across, but Henry's probably at, I don't know, seven or eighth tenths going around this circuit while we're talking, which is, uh, which is that's accurate? Yeah, seven. Seven? He's got more in the tank, but uh, I'm, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> in the side to try and make sure I don't flail about like a rag doll. That is uh, experience for you. Can I see that? That there was a pretty quick corner and I didn't fly around like some kind of child's toy, which is, uh, I think, quite impressive. So that, yes, indeed, that's what we've been doing today and we'll be doing tomorrow in this weird time mix-up that we call video editing. But um, the channel's had lots of stuff coming through of it recently, uh, namely a couple of films with you in it that I wanted to touch on really briefly. For starters, something quite personal, we had a look at your escort. Yes. That's a yeah. car, not a person, by the way. <laughs> Just wow. for clarification. This is, this is a car channel. I'm sure everybody, when they say escort, immediately thought of a Mark II or Mark I going sideways in a forest. Well, I know well, I do. Well, so what will, for anyone who hasn't watched that film, mm -hmm. if they were able to click on it. Who well, hasn't watched I mean, honestly, it's well, the best thing the channel's ever had, isn't I, it? Surely? Well, I, mean, I can't disagree gonna... <laughs> with that, but what would people be able to expect if they had a look? Um, they would be able to expect, uh, just it's me talking around uh, my 1979 Mark II Escort rally car, which I've had for ooh, getting on for, I don't know, eight, nine years now, something like that. And um, it hasn't done much rallying, largely through a lack of funds, basically, and gumption on my part. I'm sure if I wasn't doing this job every day and, and playing with cars all the time, perhaps I would have got it out. If you weren't driving so many cars, you'd be able to drive more cars. Exactly, something like that. But um, but yeah, I love it. So it's a bit of a, a look around that and see if people are interested, which apparently people mm. are, because they've got lots of thumbs up. So thank you very much. I'm glad you're interested. And it's coming on a pace. I've got two new fuel pumps since we did that. So, wow, I know, yeah. lovely, beautiful facet um, fuel pump. So it's, um, that's all good, and hopefully you might get it out in the next 
week or so. Really? Actually yeah. going to take it out? And yeah, I mean, rally you know, it? Not, not rally it, no, we just need to go and shake it down, so we'll probably go to Bill Green Rally School or something like that and just put it through its paces, see what's what's wrong, what needs doing, carbs needs setting up and stuff like that. So yeah, I think, um, um, yeah. One thing that you didn't touch on in the film that I'm quite interested about is how did it come into your possession in the first place? How did you find it? Uh, so I'd been, well, I'd been looking to buy a house for a long time. I'd you know, lived in all sorts of hovels, basically, and yeah. saved up lots of money to for like a, a tall a hobbit. Basically, yes. And uh, and then there was the recession, and all that, and the house market was rubbish. So um, I had this deposit, and eventually I cracked. And I'd been looking for a, a Mark II for for a while, and then somebody emailed me and said, "Oh, how about this one? It's kind of." possibly what you want and it was too somebody was using it as a road car for sort of two of the lakes and that sort of thing um, and so it was sort of too much for anyone that wanted a road car escort but it wasn't quite enough for anyone that wanted a, to go straight in right. for a rally car so it's perfect it was a bit of a project and um, yeah but it was had pretty much most of the right bits on it and stuff like that so yeah that's that's how it came into my possession I think I paid uh, I think it was ten or eleven. I think it was eleven thousand pounds for it. Hmm. Um, and what would? Ten and, a half. and is is it something you're making money on, or is it like a bit of a sinkhole of cash? Sure. I, I I never look because right. there's a certain there are lots of sort of RS eighteen hundred replicas which I thought I was going to do originally, and they for a while they were commanding big money, and then it sort of dropped back down again. I don't think I've lost money on it. Let's put it that way. Um, I have spent <laughs> more than I would have liked probably, but it was um, it's. Yeah, I, I just don't look at it because I don't want to get rid of it. It doesn't owe me anything, yeah. and therefore I don't want to be driving through a forest thinking, "Oh, is this worth this much? Oh, it's worth that much?" You know, it's <laughs> yeah, just, it kind of defeats not, the point. Yeah. yeah, it's just not what I've got the car for. So yeah, I'm not. It wasn't bought as an investment, and it yeah, that's and, until I absolutely definitely have to need to sell it. Um, I'm not getting rid of it, so I think, it doesn't matter at that point. I think people are always glad to hear when cars aren't bought as investments, because it's kind of contrary to everything that kind of Carfection stands for. It's like <laughs> cars are there to be driven. Absolutely. Um, we've done films on cars that uh, Alex has, and now we've got interest from other people on the Carfection team who also want to talk about the cars that they own. Um, George. George, yes. Charlie. Who's over there. Um, so if you are interested, let us know in the comments, and we can definitely make time to do features on those cars and maybe some more on Henry's car. My um, Clio as well. Oh, and, something on that as well. And Henry's seem interested in that apparently. Yeah, oh, everyone else on the team owns really nice cars. Uh, I don't. There you go. Uh, I just drive them. Well, sort it out I then. Know. You know, it's kind of... London, perfect place to keep a car. Too many kids. <laughs> um, now, new cars, you got to drive the Stelvio Quadrofoglio. Quadrofoglio, yeah. Quadrofoglio, mm -hmm. you don't pronounce the G, say. yeah. Um, there's a film up on the channel. It was a quick in and out in Scotland, wasn't it? It, it was, so to speak, yes. Yeah, absolutely. We flew up early that morning from Heathrow to Glasgow, uh, picked the car up there and went up to Duke's Pass, which was very lovely this time of year. And it didn't rain, which was, well, not all the time. A little bit. George is scowling at me there. All right. It didn't rain that much. It was quite damp. You were in a car. He was outside the car. No, I had to stand outside the car as well. Was he fast around it? There's statics and stills. It's kind of, yeah, so why so. you hide in the boot. Yeah, is it? Dry boot. Oh. Yeah, then he drives off and turns his hijack. That's going back to the conversation. Anyway, um, yes, it was, if you like small SUVs, it's quite expensive. Yeah. You know, Porsche Macan, I didn't mention this in the film, but the Porsche Macan is less expensive than that, which puts it in some sort of perspective mm. because do you want a Porsche or do you want an Alpha? It's quite a sort of Yeah. Um, so but it is good fun to drive and it sounds fantastic. I mean it's that that power plant, they've done such a good job. I know I had input from Ferrari, uh, the guys that did the um, turbocharging on the Ferraris and most of the California most recently. 
um, well that was 488 GTB, but California initially, that guy came over, did that engine, and it's it's fabulous. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool thing. If you like small SUVs, Mm. Well, I, I drove the Stelvio when it originally came out. I was meant to drive it on the Stelvio Pass, but Alpha took us out there while the Stelvio Pass was still closed. See what they did there? It's a bit like you know, <laughs> press office going back to Ibiza for the launch of all oh, the Ibiza. Ibiza yeah, say yeah, so, yeah, have a good time of that when they get they to do, go to yeah. Spain very often. <laughs> but um, I love that car. What I found out recently when I was on the Rolls-Royce Cullinan launch was that the lead engineer for that project, good segue. yeah, oh, yeah. started. Slip that in. Yeah, started on. Uh, Stelvio, well, started the Stelvio project. She didn't start there. She'd already been in the industry for quite some time. Um, it wasn't a project she got to see all the way through because she got poached by Rolls-Royce to go and work on uh, the Cullinan, uh, which is also a video that we have up on the channel, which you can enjoy. Um, but so I think that there's a, not necessarily a similarity in the handling, but there's an original thought there behind making it a well-handling SUV that has been kind of shared across that. And I guess it's important when the whole world is turning to SUVs that there is um, work being done to make them more drivable, make them actually cars that work on the road and handle well. And according to you, the Quadrifoglio does a good job of making it sporty yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, still on the spirit of SUVs but on the topic of long-termers uh, it was a sad day but we had to say goodbye to the Discovery Sport um, and well if you had to sum up we still have uh, a film coming out on the car to really send it off in style but really if you had to sum it up in just a few sentences the time that we spent with the car it's been quite a while like most of this year we, yeah. we spent with it and you've done more miles than anyone else in it mm. what is your like overriding feeling of the car I enjoyed it much more than I thought I was going to and I say that because I've, you know, long terms I've run in the past have always been very sporty. I know this has sport in its name, but let's face it, yeah. it's sort of, and I know it's the sportiest one. So I was a bit sort of, you know, I know it would be a very good support car for us um, on shoots and things like that. But I really enjoyed having that car in my life much more than I thought I would. And, um, and I explain a bit more about that in the, the final film that we've, we've done. So, uh, yeah, I... I did enjoy it and it was it was a fantastic long distance car as well sort of kind of stealth it doesn't shout about that and you don't get into it and it's sort of I said this before it's, it's not a luxury car. it's not a cullen and you get in and you think oh I want to spend hours here it's sort of you know you've pretty much got an Inglewood fireplace and yeah. um, your favourite armchair it's not like that but you can pass hours and hours and hours driving it and suddenly think oh hang on a minute I should probably probably stop now and it's not one of those cars that <laughs> no, makes that's, you think oh, I need to stop so, which is yeah. perfect for what we do which is a lot of mileage yeah. in the cars if you have any specific questions about what it's like to live with a Discovery Sport over a longer period of time on YouTube you can leave it in the comments below or find us on Twitter at Carfection or on Instagram at Carfection Films or on Facebook and ask us a question but I guess it's time to announce what the next Carfection long-termer is <gasps> Didn't we, do, didn't we do that when we go around the track? No, because that's a separate feature. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the clue is what we're actually sitting on. It is the uh, Civic Type R, uh, Honda's finest hot hatchery. That's, that's weird. It's a wing. Don't do that. It is a wing. We found that when you drive with that open, the wing forces the boot lid down. Oh, all the joys that we're going to find out as we use this as a long term. We have got a fix for that, and you'll see that in some behind the scenes footage coming very, very soon. But equally, if you have questions that we should answer over the next couple of months with this amazing piece of Japanese Hondaness. Hondaness. I like hot hatchery as a phrase. Hot hatchery. Reminds me of all the Huckley and Brave New World. Hatcheries. Hatcheries. <laughs> Um, indeed. Um, then please also find us on the social networks and in the comments on YouTube and leave us a question of things that you want us to find out about this car. 
it's been uh, crazy out on track and we've got a whole other day ahead of us yeah. um, so it's got a time for us to wrap up on a shorter than usual episode of Footlock thank you so much for being part of the Footlock family and watching all the way to the end don't forget to have hit the notification icon to make sure you're notified when our next I'm show sure comes out they're, they're a good bunch out there you are our best fans by now them and, you know, and there is an extended version of this audio-only version as a podcast, which you can find wherever you find your podcasts. Look for Carfection, colon, for the love of cars, and you will find it. And it will be downloaded automatically to whatever device you listen on. It's probably your phone. Probably. Sp probably, probably, isn't it? Yeah. It's phones. Anyway, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see Walkman. you. Yes, download it to your Walkman. Goodbye. <laughs>